Hi, this is Adam Carroll, host of the Build a Bigger Life podcast. In speaking and traveling all over the world, I meet some of the most interesting people. When I meet someone who embodies what it means to me to be the architect of their own life, I invite them to be on the show. The interview you're about to hear is one of these people. Someone who's choosing life over lifestyle, pursuing more of what they love to do and less of what they have to do. The blueprint to get you doing more of what you love is available for download at buildabiggerlife.com. Now, on to the interview. Hey, Life Architects, Adam Carroll here with another episode of the Build a Bigger Life podcast. Still reeling a bit from the Build a Bigger Life retreat, which happened just a couple weeks ago. It was probably one of the most life-affirming events I've ever been a part of. Uh, Nine individuals plus myself and my operations extraordinaire, Molly Rose Daly. She and I uh, facilitated three and a half days with this group and people left with passion and purpose and drive and new business ideas and relationship goals. It was, uh, to put it mildly life-changing on a whole number of levels to the extent that actually this has become a big part of my business. We're going to do two more retreats yet this year. And uh, if you are on the mailing list, which you can get on by going to buildabiggerlife.com, I'll make sure that you know about when these events are upcoming, as well as some of the other training that's going along with it. It's incredibly exciting. And again, very life affirming and very life altering. So if you're looking for like just that little bit of extra nudge, the extra juice, the extra gas in the tank, consider coming to this retreat. It is absolutely essential that you do it at some point in your life. The interview today, I actually just got off of, and I was so compelled to record the introduction. His name is Greg Elfrink. He's the director of marketing for a company called empireflippers.com. Empire Flippers buy, allows you to buy and sell website businesses, online businesses, uh, whether it's Amazon, software as a service, uh, or, I mean, you name it. We've got like Amazon Fulfilled by Amazon sites. Uh, there's things on the Kindle desktop publishing platform that you can buy. The interview with Greg is interesting for a number of different reasons. Number one, Greg used to work on an oil rig in Alaska. He barely graduated high school with a 0.93 grade point average, which we touch upon. And now he's living in Vietnam, running this business virtually. He is what is called a coconut cowboy. And uh, you'll find out all about Greg and empireflippers.com on the uh, the episode itself. So sit back, enjoy, tune in. This is what a coconut cowboy is all about. Welcome to the Build a Bigger Life podcast, Greg Elfrank. It's a pleasure to have you. Hey, thank you so much for having me. It's, a, it's an honor to be on here and hopefully I'll be able to provide some value to your listeners. I have absolutely no doubt based on what we just talked about pre-interview, Greg. <laughs> you know my first question for every guest is what do you love about your life right now? Yeah, so it's pretty easy for me to answer. I, I can sometimes go pretty be pretty long-winded with this answer, but I used to work in the oil fields in Alaska on uh, oil rigs in the Arctic Circle and oil in general across, across the country in USA and absolutely hated it. It was basically tied to those rigs forever, uh, like 12 hours a day, seven days a week. Wow. And now as uh, the director of marketing uh, for Empire Flippers, of course, I didn't start off as the director when I first came out here, but 
Uh, I started off as an apprentice, but now I'm the director. Um, my lifestyle has been improved dramatically. Like right now, we're talking. Uh, I'm from Anchorage, Alaska, but right now we're talking while I'm in Hanoi, Vietnam. Um, just visiting the city with my girlfriend here. We have this awesome studio, a little Airbnb overlooking uh, the entire city. And, you know, just to get to see all these cool experiences is just uh, every day part of my life. You know, I've been to, I think, 10 countries in the last year, mainly for EF, but uh, for Empire Flivers, but also I've done some like solo traveling as well, which has been cool. You know, uh, you kind of become a citizen of the world in a way. And that's definitely one of my favorite things. I love it. I love it. So have you always wanted to have that lifestyle? Uh, I've always <laughs> have a funny, uh, kind of a funny line. I've always said, uh, my definition of wealth is that you can go somewhere that's exotic and sleep as long as you want. <laughs> Cause like, you know, there's no pressure for you to return to your, your cubicle or for in my case, the oil rig, uh, you can just take your time with something. And so, yeah, uh, not necessarily like travel, but I've always wanted to have just the option, you know, that that's, what's important to me more so than the travels to have the option to live the life that I, that I want at any given time. Yes. Yes. And so you would be considered a digital nomad for the most part, correct? <laughs> that, that's correct. Yeah. Uh, I never knew about that term uh, before I came on with Empire Flippers, but uh, there's another funnier term that uh, some of the digital nomads call themselves. Uh, they call themselves coconut cowboys, which I always thought was an endearing <laughs> term. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. Coconut Cowboys. So I, I want to go through a few things on the show today so my listeners understand where we're headed. Number one, I want to hear sure. about a little bit of the backstory, like the, the oil rig and how you came to Empire Flippers. Then I want to get into Empire Flippers and talk about you know buying and selling businesses online and what kind of opportunities there are out there. And then also the selling of businesses out there. So if, if any of my listeners are building an online business, what is the opportunity that's provided to them when you build a website as an example that has pretty massive traffic to then turn around and sell it to a, a buyer who's hungry for it? Um, so first of all, does that sound fair? Yeah, yeah, that sounds like a great uh, outline. I love it. So let's start with the oil rig. How Were you born in, in Anchorage? Like you're originally from Alaska? <laughs> Yeah, one of the rare rare ones. Uh, you know, there's less than a million people in Alaska. So uh, yeah, I was born and raised in Alaska in the in Anchorage, which is like the major, like basically the only city for the most part. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, born and raised. And did you grow up believing that the sun only came out like four hours a day? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, it's it's funny. That is kind of how I grew up. Uh, so. During the summertime, the sun was up forever, like, you know, especially so in Anchorage, where I live is southern Alaska. So the sun would be up for like, eight, you know, 18 hours a day at its apex. But when I worked in the oil field in the Arctic Circle, it literally never sets. It just it's always at high noon. Like you just see oh, it revolve wow. around the sky. It's it's like to me, that's normal. And so when I was a, a teenager and I went down to what we call the uh, the rest of the states, the lower 48, when I went down to the lower 48, I was like, God, it's getting dark at 6 p.m. What, what is going on? <laughs> the <laughs> like, world is ending. You know, weirded, it weirded me out. Like, why is evening? It's not winter. <laughs> That's crazy. And and how cold does it get on those oil rigs? Uh, it can vary wildly, but uh, it's not uncommon to be in like negative 40 to negative 70 Fahrenheit, uh, which is actually 
actually the same in Celsius because once you get down to negative 40 Celsius and Fahrenheit, they meet with each other. <laughs> so uh, we, whenever uh, we had a new guy on the oil rigs from the lower 48, typically like Louisiana or Texas, we would take a, a hot cup of espresso just just to mess with them. We're like, hey, and like throw it at them, and they get you know freaked out that they're going to get burned. But it's so cold, it just turns into a mist as <laughs> you touch them. <laughs> That is crazy. Now the um, the pay scale for doing the work out there is relatively high, is it not? Uh, that's a great misconception. Uh, so my very first job in the oil field it was when I was eighteen uh, in Alaska. There's like kind of well, I guess there's three career paths. You go to college, like most most people do. Uh, I've never been a huge fan of college. I still am not for the most part. Uh, or you can join the military, uh, which isn't really my cup of tea. Uh, or you join the oil field, which is like, okay, well, I guess this is my last option. <laughs> I better get on an oil rig. And, uh, uh, the pay, my first job there, I got paid $9 an hour, which is $2 more than what I was making uh, two summers previously before I graduated high school. When I was working at McDonald's as a, as a summer job. Whoa. Wow. Uh, and- I, did, I did make close to 50K because I was working 12 to 18 hours a day, yeah. like seven days a week. So. But, but no life. Yeah, really exactly. outside of that, right? Uh, there was a there's a common joke, and sometimes it's not a joke, depending on who your supervisor was. Like, say you had a two week on, two week off schedule, which is co- more common in Alaska. In Lower Forty Eight, that's super uncommon. Uh, but <laughs> your supervisor would tell you, like, "Hey, you want to work uh, an extra week," which really means you want to work an extra two weeks, which is actually four weeks, because then you're back <laughs> on your normal shift. And you're like, "Well, no, I'd rather have my days off." Like, "Oh, you don't." You don't want a job? Like, is that what you're telling me? Like, well, <laughs> all right, I guess we'll stay. <laughs> wow, which would suggest that it's kind of hard to pull away. I would guess. It is. Uh, there, you know, as you rise up in that industry, in, in particular, especially on a rig, uh, the skill sets you learn they're they're you know they're quite interesting. Like, there's yeah. definitely a lot of interesting things you do, but you're very limited in the industry you, you can be in because so much of that skill set is unique to the petroleum industry sure so we often call it the golden handcuffs as you uh level yourself up and that's one reason like for the most part i never wanted to get promoted because i didn't want the golden handcuffs i never wanted to earn that earn that point where it'd be hard for me to leave because i never liked it so i was always searching for something else it was interesting there's kind of a similarity with folks who are working in the um kind of in the oil fields of north dakota and I worked there as well. Yeah. Did you work there? <laughs> I did. I was uh, actually I was homeless uh, for. I was just talking to my girlfriend about this earlier today. I was homeless in North Dakota, Williston, for a week uh, because uh, Neighbors, which is a operators company, I called them when I was in Alaska uh, to see if I could apply. They're like, "Oh, just fly down here. You'll get a job, no problem." So I bought a one way ticket to Williston, and they're like, "There's no way we'd hire you. There's just, have you seen this application <laughs> table? There's just like stacks of resumes." They're like, why did you tell me to come down here? Like, who told you that? I told the girl's name. He's like, "That's our secretary. Why did you listen to her?" Oh no. <laughs> I know. So I, I was like Boston Williston looking for a job. And I know that area. I know Williston. I was. I did some work with a bank in that area. And what I found at the hotel, you know, guys are making. They were making pretty good money out there relative to North Dakota. But even at sure. at McDonald's in that area, they're making seventeen or nineteen dollars an hour because it's so hard to find people that will work for that. Um. Anyway, the the these guys that were in the the hotel, they made so much money. They're just rapidly buying people drinks at the bar because they've got so much money they don't know what to do with it. It's very oil-filled. Yeah, yeah I was like, that's interesting. They're super friendly. 
didn't know a stranger, but I'm like, what? You could be doing a lot more with this money, you know? <laughs> Williston was such an interesting uh, town at that period of history. It was like the world just like landed in small town America. When yes. I was there, especially like I went every hotel I went to in the town was fully booked. I think I got there like July. I forget I forget the exact year. And I asked the I got so frustrated not being able to get a hotel. I asked the person like, "When's your next opening?" They're like, "Ah, oh, it looks like January first of next year." Because like the oil field company had bought out every single room for the remainder of the year, and uh, like McDonald's had all these Jamaicans in it. The hotels, uh, for the most part, were like ran by these Ukrainians. Like, where are these people coming from? Right. <laughs> like, what is happening here? <laughs> It was like a thousand person uh, Halliburton man camp that was like its own little city off the side of Williston. It was a uh, pretty wild, wild west. It is insane that there are there are engines that promote these opportunities and then recruit people to to work them. I mean, it's just fascinating. Um, yeah. Yet your life it seems so interesting, Greg, to me. So I, I'm I'm interested to dig in more about how you then left the rig and ultimately found what you're doing now in marketing for empire flippers. Yeah. So, uh, I've always kind of knew this world existed. Like, uh, I was one of those weird kids. I always had insomnia. So I would stay up late and had a TV in my bedroom. And so I'd watch infomercials and there was always be these things like how to make extra money. Like, Oh, that sounds really interesting. Uh, so I like fell in love with the copywriting on infomercials, but, uh, uh, I always knew that there was a ways to make money online and I was always pursuing that. And, you know, uh, at first it was just like interest. And then as I got deeper into the oil field, it became like desperation, like one of those guys living a, a life of quiet desperation. Yes. Um, you know, just it was, it was terrible. Like uh, I'm a rel- I'm a relatively intelligent person. But when when it comes to the oil field and like tools, I'm, I'm very dumb. And luckily, I'm silly enough that my crew loved me. So it was never a problem. But uh, uh, yeah, just I just disliked it so much. And I. Uh, you know, at, towards the end, I actually gave up on this idea that I could make money on the internet. And like, I remember having so many conversations with my friends. They would think I'm uh, this idiot for not going to college and being you know, against the idea of like working for someone else and, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. And they said, ah, you don't make money on the internet. That's like the place you go watch cat memes on YouTube or something. <laughs> I was like, you know, <laughs> like YouTube is a business. There are people making serious money. Like, I mean, you know Google exists, and that's a real business. <laughs> it's online. Uh, you know, I had these kind of arguments in my, my early or my late teen year, teenage years, I guess. And then fast forward almost 10 years, uh, you know, I'd basically given up on the dream. I was in all this debt from buying all these uh, info courses. <laughs> Ironically, I never went to college, but I still got into debt by trying to teach myself how to get out of the oil field. Uh, and a lot of those courses were bad. You know, uh, there was a lot of scammy ones, uh, yep. uh, but there was also a lot of good ones that I just never followed through on uh, or you know, ne- didn't necessarily have the right skill sets to implement. Um, but I had been, gotten close to giving up on the dream. And uh, what I did was like, well, I need to pay off all these credit cards. I had a like, small fire in my house. I had to pay you know, things like that, I'd, like snowballing up as they do in life. And uh, I knew I could write fast. Uh, I, I'm a fiction writer. I, I'm very passionate about literature. And I've written a lot of failed blogs trying to make money online with like various affiliate programs and stuff like that, right? For sure. Uh, so I started advertising myself to all these SEO agencies because I know SEO people absolutely hate writing content for the most part. Mm. And I could undercut every other writer because I'm just a freelancer and I'm very, very fast. So yep. I started off writing uh, for one and a half cent per word. And uh, I've written a ton 
ton of articles about roofing in Perth and plumbing in Ohio. Very, very <laughs> sexy stuff. Um, <laughs> but like, I, I remember I was chewing away my debt. I was making like an extra $500,000 a month. One of my clients, he found out that I was still working in the oil field. And he was like, oh, man, I'd be so burnt out if I was you. And this is the guy who was writing all these Ohio uh, plumbing articles articles for. I was like, dude, I've been burned out for years, but that doesn't mean you, you stop paying your bills. Right? <laughs> so I gotta, gotta make money. And uh, Eventually, that all that writing work led it, into snowballing to bigger clients. Not like hugely bigger, but I started writing yeah. for some known names in the uh, internet marketing space. Ghostwriting as them, basically. Sure. And uh and then I, you know, I got my confidence back. Basically, I, I, you know, I thought, you know, some people don't get a play in the NBA. I thought that was my thing. Like, this is all I'll ever be able to accomplish. This like little writing side hustle. Uh, and I tried to apply to marketing agencies in Alaska too, by the way. Uh, but because I didn't have a college degree, they automatically just, you know, uh, didn't look at me. And I, you know, I talked to their CEOs about Facebook, uh, Facebook marketing, SEO, content marketing, all this stuff I had taught myself. I was talking circles around them, but no paper from a four-year college, and so no, no job. Uh, so what ended up happening as I gained my confidence back was like, you know what? I'm going to try to build an affiliate site again. And I've heard about these Empire Flipper guys because uh, uh, I used to follow them when they were called AdSense Flippers mm -hmm. uh, back on the Warrior Forum. And because uh, I was obsessed with this stuff, right? I knew everyone in the industry because oh, I read them on their blogs, right? And uh, I was like, I'm going to build this affiliate site. I don't care how long it takes. I'm going to sell this thing. I'm going to get out of debt. Then I'm going to like move to a crappy apartment in Las Vegas that I can pay for with my fast writing skills and just be out of the oil field. I don't care if I'm broke, at least I won't be in the oil field anymore. <laughs> and I can kind of do whatever I want. You know? And uh, so as I was doing that, as I was building out that affiliate site, uh, all about uh, fascinating beard products was the, <laughs> was the niche I had discovered, uh, which turns out is quite a profitable niche, actually. We've sold a lot of sites in, in uh, like beard apparels type I of stuff. I have no doubt. I have no beard oils <laughs> and combs and all that stuff. So I was on the right I was on the right path, at least, with the foundation of what I was doing. Uh, but Empire Flipper sent out this email saying, hey, we're looking for a content marketing pro. And I thought, ah, that's not me, but why not? I will throw my hat in the ring for anyways. And you know, was, I just did it on a lark. And I, I didn't expect to get any kind of response, uh, but I did. Uh, I got an email from Justin. So we set up an interview. So I worked my 12-hour shift, and I went home. I would always do my 12-hour shift and like two or three hours of freelance writing afterwards. Yeah. And uh, I went home, did the interview instead, and I thought, man, I bombed that thing. <laughs> I did terrible. And uh, uh, to, to Justin's credit, if you ever listen to our Empire Flippers podcast, he's a very good interviewer, and he's very good at like, you know, putting people on the off foot if you want. So like he is like a trained debater. So he's very good at this kind of stuff. And I just I did terrible. Uh, and then he invited me back for a second interview. I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, that's that's weird. And uh, he's like, ah, don't dunk this up in front of my business partner. You know, private message on Skype. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, I like you. You you have, you have potential. <laughs> so uh, yeah, fast forward uh, a few weeks later, they they hired me and uh, they told me uh, I was coming to Vietnam because uh, our entire company is remote. Uh, so we don't have an office. We're all digital nomads. Uh, the whole, a whole 54 of us. We have 54 employees right now. And we're all over the world, just always traveling wherever we want to go. And Justin happened to be in Saigon, Vietnam at the time. And so he brought me out there for my initial training. Uh, it was a funny conversation when I called my boss in the oil field. I was like, hey, Brian, uh, so I found another job. He's like, oh, good, because there's an oil 
crash happening. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, I'm sad that you're leaving, but this might save someone. Where, where are you going? I told him, like, well, I'm taking a job in Vietnam. Vietnam. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> are you sure that's a job? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's, uh, that's my story condensed. So I love it. I love it. So have you been in Vietnam ever since? So I've been in Southeast Asia for I've been with the company for almost three years now, and I've been in Southeast Asia predominantly during that. So yep. uh, Vietnam, Thailand, Philippines, Cambodia, uh, Bali, uh, not too long ago. But I also was living in uh, Medellin, Colombia, for a bit. Okay, and then of course I uh, worked when I traveled back to the USA, visit family in Alaska, and yep. some friends in California. So nice. Ah, oh, it's amazing. I, I'm interviewing more and more people who have decided that travel and seeing the world is important to them. And there's more, I think, you know, countless companies now that are, that they're like, we don't care where you are. If you have the job to get done and you get it done from where you are, you can live wherever you want. So I think that's that's quite awesome. I I often tell entrepreneurs that like, they feel like they need to get an office. Like, man, don't, it's just a bad idea. You, you limit your talent pool so significantly. And most yeah. of the time an office truly isn't required. Right. And for people thinking about living abroad, like even if you don't like traveling necessarily, you can live in places like Chiang Mai, Thailand for super cheap without really giving up any kind of, uh, you know, first world luxury. Right. And if you're into like the financial independence, like the Mr. Money mustache kind of stuff, like, I mean, you can have a two bedroom with your own private pool overlooking the mountains for like $2,000 per year. <laughs> I have a friend that's how much he pays for his place. It's 2, just like that. 2000 per year? Yeah. And that includes the maid service. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, yeah, it's definitely a one way to kind of geo hack your way to financial freedom. Honey, we're putting the house on the market. <laughs> Coming out with me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That is awesome. So tell me a little bit about Empire Flippers and not only how it got started, what you're doing today, who you're helping, all those kinds of things. Yeah. So uh, just a quick recap of uh, EF, of where we, where we came from. We were originally an outsourcing company in the Philippines. This mm-hmm. is like prior to 2011 when Justin and Joe, they moved out of, uh, I think they were both in California at the time, moved out to the Philippines to start this outsourcing company. And it was going well. Uh, but like a lot of service companies, we had the mistake of having one client that made up the vast majority of the revenue. And even though it was like a, a contract that wasn't supposed to be able to broken, like all contracts are eventually uh, meant to you know, be broken, it seems like in these kind of scenarios. There's always like this contract can't be broken. That's always the one that's like, uh, this is really unfortunate. Bad luck. <laughs> yes. uh, but uh, that client left us. And so we had this team full of seats uh, uh, with you know nothing to do. And Justin and Joe had heard about this like building AdSense sites, like micro niche sites. And they're like, well, that sounds interesting. We'll let we'll have them do this in the meantime until we get like another client and get back up on our feet. And so they started the AdSense Flippers blog. They were big fans of like people like uh, Pat Flynn from Smart Passive Income and yep. Spencer Haas from niche pursuits uh they that was kind of like their initial inspiration so they started blogging about their journey of like uh having their team build these adsense sites and they, they they would get them up to like between 50 to 200 bucks a month you know nothing huge uh and then they would go sell them on flippa and they would log their success and they would normally get about 20 20 uh times of the net monthly profit for selling that site and like, oh, this is kind of a cool little business model. And what eventually ended up happening was from them blogging, they created an audience. 
and the audience was very interested in their story. And a lot of those people in the audience were doing something similar. So they started reaching out to Justin and Joe, like asking, hey, uh, I also have this AdSense site. Would you sell it on your Flip account? Because you get so much more traffic than me. You do this all the time. You probably can sell it uh, for higher than what I could get. Sure. And so they started doing that. And eventually they started selling way bigger sites than they ever created and much more sites than they could create. And they're like, huh. This is a pretty interesting business. And so in 2012, we rebranded as uh, Empire Flippers full-fledged and created our own marketplace and became a a full-time broker. And now we're uh, one of the leading M&A firms when it comes to online business deals. And what are are people looking for generally, Greg? Are they... Are they looking for you know the side business, kind of the side hustle that they're going to drop thirty grand on and make a grand or two a month, or do you have folks that are actively looking for the three to five ten million dollar business that they're buying online? Yeah, so the range varies wildly. Uh, for example, we just launched this series on our blog called uh, Success Stories, and one of the ones we just published, uh, I believe his name was Chris. He he bought a business from us, he, and the reason why he bought the business, him and his wife, they had like good jobs at this media company, but they had a child with a, a, you know, a disability of some sort that had to go to a special school. And between their jobs and the commute to the school, it was just unbearable. And they would spend hardly any time with their child or at home with each other. And so what they ended up doing, they bought a business from us. Uh, I don't remember the exact size. It wasn't huge, but it was enough to replace their uh, job and to have some room to grow. And like, so that's an example of a buyer. You know, they're looking for a way to get out of a situation that can make their lifestyle better. Hmm. Now, on the other hand, we have a, a, a institutional investor that they raise money from all these different family funds, family offices, and independent accredited investors. And they bought about $3 million worth of deals with us just recently, hmm. uh, back to back to back. And they're building out a major machine in uh, the e commerce vertical, right? Uh, and we so we had really ranges all over the place from the pe- from the buyer that wants to escape their nine to five maybe they're a middle manager uh, you know middle management kind of person looking to uh, add more time that allows them to be more flexible with what they want to do in their life or even just add more money because uh, do their uh, you know monthly cash flow because you could buy things like affiliate sites for example that are fairly hands off it doesn't take that many hours to maintain and sure. you know it can be a significant increase in what you what you're earning every month so it really ranges all over the place from uh, you know people just getting started to people with a small portfolio to you know pretty big PE firms looking at what we have to offer. Is there anything in particular that the most successful buyers that you've worked with have in common? Uh, it, that's a hard one to say because you know it, the buyers vary so wildly. I'd say if they do have something in common, the thing that is probably most common is that they have what I call a due diligence framework. So each of their framework is going to be wildly different from each other. Uh, so what I mean by that is like what they're looking for in a business. So you might have a person look at an e-commerce store that's getting all this traffic from Google Organic. And then they're looking at another e-commerce store that also has that same thing, but that one has a Google penalty. So you, if you have two buyers looking at these two businesses, one buyer is going to say, I would never in a million years buy this e-commerce, e-commerce store with a Google penalty. Why would I do that? I'm going to buy this other one without yep. the penalty. Yep. Whereas the second buyer is like, I absolutely want that Google penalty site because I can get that site at a discount and I know how to fix that penalty. <laughs> so like they're specifically looking for sites that have that problem, right? Yeah. Uh, so, but they, the thing they both have in common is that they have a due diligence framework. So they're looking for businesses that meet the criteria 
of what their goal is and both their lifestyle and their business goals. So they both have a checklist. And while that checklist is different, it serves the same purpose of letting them disqualify a business very quickly so they can look at the next deal. And that checklist includes the next filter to dive a little bit deeper into the business, but still trying to disqualify that business as quickly as possible. Because hmm. uh, if you can disqualify that business, because it doesn't mean your your like at least your initial criteria, that frees up so much more time to look at another deal that potentially meets even more of your criteria. Yep. And so, in the midst of your gig, w- what role do you play between the buyers yeah. and sellers, or are you just marketing empire flippers to get the word out? <laughs> I do, I do uh, all three. Uh, so at the end of the day, our, like, our fiduciary responsibility is to the seller because how we get paid is we get a, a commission once we sell that seller's uh, or to sell that seller's business. Uh, and that's how we, how we get paid. But ultimately, we want it to be a win, 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 right? Sure. We want the seller to win. We want the buyer to win. And we want to win. Like, it, and it's not a zero-sum game. Like, yeah, the buyer always wants the cheapest deal and the seller always wants the most money and the broker always wants to get paid. But there is a way that all three of those people can walk away and be super happy that deal happened. You know, it's not a zero sum game. Uh, So that's what we try to do Uh, in terms of uh, marketing the seller. We have a bunch of different uh, syndication networks that we uh, put the listing out. We have an email list of over, uh, I think the last count was like over 80,000 subscribers. Uh, And our contact database for just buyers alone is over 100K now. Uh, So we have quite the range of audience to uh, help our uh, to help sell their business. And we get tens of thousands of visitors every single month to our blog. We're very big proponents of content such as you know this. So uh, even when we're promoting just what Empire Flippers is, we're inherently promoting the businesses that were also on their marketplace. So mm-hmm. we do try to do a lot of this kind of uh, focus to get to drive interest because that ultimately also helps sell those businesses and helps nurture buyers. Uh, for, for example, there's this one buyer I uh, with us years and years ago buying back when we were selling like five thousand dollars sites, uh, and now that guy has bought over six million dollars worth of us. As we've grown, so has wow. he, which has been cool to see. Um, so yeah, I, I do all of it in terms of what I do in terms of marketing with EF. Yeah, yeah, that's very cool. So I just so my audience kind of has a sense of this. I mean, I, I would definitely encourage you to check out empireflippers.com go into the marketplace and see some of the listings. Because when you go in, you can select from uh, AdSense, affiliate sites, Amazon associate sites, uh, e-commerce sites, software as a service sites. I'm on the Amazon Kindle desktop publishing, the Amazon KDP. And one of these I'm really intrigued by, Greg. So I want you to try and explain this to me <laughs> and the, and the uh, listeners. It's an Amazon KDP site, which is the Kindle desktop publishing platform. Uh, The site is listed. uh, It's a niche package, others, gifts, and and occasions site. And it says monthly revenue, 58.24. Monthly profit, net profit, 56.26. So not a lot of expense running the site. And the list price is about $140,000. Mm-hmm. And it says that um, the listing is for a business created in January 2017 in gifts and occasions uh, niche. And the business has a variety of paperback books, ebooks, audiobooks related to fun topics and specific occasions. So this looks like a pretty self contained business. The content's there, the product is there. This is somebody that's making, you know, close to five grand a month on it. 
I look at that and go, God, why wouldn't someone who has 140 grand sitting in home equity or in a retirement account or even would be willing to go get a loan for that? Because that would definitely cover the debt service on it. Why would someone, I mean, that looks like an amazing business. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> so it, it, there's two, maybe even three answers to that question. Um, the first answer is the most common is people that do have the money that they could invest into something like this. They simply don't have the working knowledge. Um, so they're a, they're a little bit cold feet about it, right? They're like, yep. I don't know anything about running a KDP business. How do you even run a business based off an author? Like they don't understand that you can have uh, you know a stable writers all writing underneath a pen name, similar to what some small indie house publishers do. For sure. Uh, so they don't understand that concept with with that particular monetization. And that is kind of an esoteric monetization as well. It's less common. Uh, but even with affiliate sites or an e-commerce store, which is you know literally just a shop selling physical goods, uh, uh, people feel like this seems really complicated. I'm going to take that uh, HELOC I have and invest that in real estate, even though real estate, in my opinion, is far more complicated most of the time than uh, running an online business. Right. Uh, and you have less control, even though real estate gives you more control than most other investments. This doesn't give you as near as much control as with an online investment. So really, it's just an educational issue for the first group of people. Uh, the second group of people, uh, the second answer to that question is the financing thing, is financing is actually not terribly easy to get in our industry. The reason why is just because a lot of times traditional financing isn't open to the idea of giving you uh, $100,000 to do this down payment on a KDB business. They're going to look at that like, what are you talking about? Right, right. <laughs> Get out of my office. <laughs> There's no money in publishing. Uh, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, fiction's dead. <laughs> but even for like uh, uh, affiliate sites, they're very, very like, ah, I don't know about that. Even e-commerce sites that have inventory, they're a bit... Yeah resistant to the idea unless you are you start getting above the like 10 million dollar range that's when more traditional financing starts opening up the online business space uh there are some uh financing stuff that's been coming out with uh sba loans small business administration loans yep they've started making a dent in the sub five million dollar range but even so they're still pretty rare so financing is actually like a bit difficult now in the what you said about equity in your house that's something i actually recommend if you're looking to get into the game. I think making money online is a lot quicker when you buy that money. Yeah. You know, we, we want to get fit. We buy a gym membership. We're hungry. We buy food. If you want an income stream, buy a business making money. Yeah. And that sounds a bit like you know overselling. Yeah. But it's it's you can often make uh, much more gains on a business that's doing say 5k a month. It's a lot often easier going from 5k to 10k a month than it is from zero to a thousand dollars per month uh, you know for one the niche is proven right and you already have traffic to play with sure. you already have revenue to play with so there, there's a lot more options open to you when you acquire the business versus when you build it from scratch because yeah. you have to, in order to do the advanced tactics you have to first you know prove the niche works and then build it up and get enough traffic and revenue to perform those advanced tactics so um but but yeah so th- those are if, if you if someone had a heloc and they were interested in learning uh, or you know, applying that money towards an online investment. I think that's a great strategy. You know, interest rate is low, and it's a way to really jumpstart your uh, your career into online investing fast. Right. Uh, obviously, I would, don't want to leave this podcast without saying online investing in an online business is risky. Like it's a uh, uh, you know much more volatile industry than say real estate, but the ROI potential is much greater 
investor as well. Yep. Um, so I, I have friends who've invested in real estate and websites and you know, some of their websites failed, but even at like a 60, 70% failure rate for that website, it's still a better cash on cash return than the majority of the rental properties. Right. Right. No doubt. Uh, well, this is super fascinating. I have one last question for you. And, sure. um, I noticed on the site, there's a way to, uh, I guess, price or gauge what your site may be worth. Yeah, and, our, and are, our valuation tool. Yeah, and are you, are you valuating just businesses that are creating cash flow, or are you valuating even domains? Like, will you guys broker domains, or is that more of a GoDaddy uh, auction site kind of thing? Yeah, that's a great question. So we don't broker any domains or any business that isn't making uh, uh, some kind of net profit. So uh, for a content site, the minimum we'll accept is, and this is the only type of monetization we do this with, so just AdSense and Amazon affiliate or affiliate sites in general, uh, it has to be making a minimum of $500 uh, net profit per month. Yep. Uh, for all other businesses, it has to be making a minimum of $1,000 net profit per month. So still okay. a pretty low barrier to entry to sell in our marketplace, but uh, yeah, it does have to be making money before uh, we'll shop it around to potential buyers and investors. Yep. Very cool. Very cool. Um, th- this has been so interesting, Greg. I hope my uh, my listeners are intrigued enough to go check out EmpireFlippers.com. I am. I like. I can imagine. I'm going to spend <laughs> every night this week on the couch, like just going through this. Three of you, KDP Empire. <laughs> uh, dude, I love. And I love. I love publishing. I'm in the media business myself, uh, and sure, I uh, I see that. I see that, and I go. Oh my God, I, what, what I'm reminded of is a story of a guy who <clears throat> had someone on Upwork research all of the turkey and stuffing recipes that were online and not <laughs> trademarked or copywritten. And he compiled it into an ebook and he sold that on, on the KDP platform at like $3.99 a book, but he sold 20,000 of them. Oh man, that's so, awesome. Yeah, made a fat amount of money off of you know, the research of someone done on Upwork for three or 400 bucks. Um, so I look at these businesses, some of them, I'm like, well, of course it's, you know, returning that kind of money every month. It, it totally makes sense. It's, uh, you know, it's crazy, uh, the opportunity that exists. I, I think there's more opportunity today, even with like the newfound competition, uh, as more, as the barrier to entry to get started in online marketing keeps getting lower and lower. Yeah. Of course, more competition comes in. But honestly, I think the opportunity has not diminished at all. I think in, over the last like 10 years, I think the opportunity has only grown sig- more significant. Uh, I think it will continue to grow more significant uh, before it gets too competitive, which I think we're very far away from. But uh, what you just said reminded me of like this other just like stupid thing. Not, not, not stupid, but in, in ju- uh, ingenuity-driven uh, kind of idea. This guy, he wrote a book, uh, just an e-book. Uh, There's like probably eight, 10 years ago. Uh, he wrote this ebook about this like burning uh, a niche that people want to help on, and he didn't have a website or anything like this. And this is before even before KDP was around. And so he was selling the book at forty seven dollars, like one of those kind of info products. And yeah. He reached out to these sites in the niche. And he's like, "Hey, I have an affiliate program with this." And he just like set up some like custom made thing. Like, I'll give you fifty uh, percent if you help me promote this. And, like, he made tens of thousands of dollars from that. He didn't have a website yet. He, so he just went to other websites already had traffic and made them uh, a pretty sweet deal that they didn't want to miss out on. And that's how you got his start. You know, He was able to bankroll that into a bunch of other uh, projects down the road. So That's awesome. 
So I, I do have one more question for you. You mentioned you, you, you did not. <laughs> the, hidden, did, the hidden secret question. That's right. You did not go to college, right? Uh, I did not. Yeah. And, and you would consider yourself self-educated on all of this, uh, all of this information. I am. I'm, I'm pretty bad when it comes to academics. Um, so my parents, they bought me a graduation gift for uh, graduating high school uh, to Europe for like two weeks with a high school tour. The reason why is like they really didn't think I was going to graduate because my junior <laughs> year, my GPA was 0.99. They're like, oh my God, you graduated. You got a D average. You're amazing. You did a great job. <laughs> so academics and me have never mixed, which is funny because I'm pretty cerebral. Like I'm really into Victorian literature and like all that kind of stuff. So yeah, academics just never jived with me. You, clearly, you must have gotten an A in Victorian literature in high school then. <laughs> I got a B plus because I always went off into the more like obscure references that the story made. <laughs> That's awesome. That is awesome. So for those of uh, the parents out there who are listening to this or young people who are listening, what recommendation do you have for them? It just in terms of maybe the opportunities that are out there or how to, you know, how to, how to uh, succeed in a digital age where business is not brick and mortar and nine to five. Uh, you're asking like, what do they tell their kid if they're not good with academics and want to get into something like what I'm doing or? Almost, yeah. Almost like, uh, your take on the opportunities that are out there today. Yeah. Uh, honestly, like, uh, the, I'm, like I said earlier, I'm a big like fiction writer. I read, uh, not only fiction, but also writers that write fiction and their thoughts on it. And there's, uh, common theme throughout that that says talent is highly overrated and they say like an amateur right when the muse hits them a professional just gets up and writes all day yeah. uh no matter what and i think there is a lot of power to that kind of persistence right like yeah. if you look at if you look at me now like uh, when i was telling you earlier in this interview my college buddies they all thought it was crazy that i you know decided to go to the oil field and i'm pursuing this random like entrepreneurial online like craziness like what the hell are you doing you know one of my friends uh just a few months ago he's a he's a lawyer nowadays in uh oklahoma and he he reached out to me like hey man what's up and it, it was around 3 a.m i was <laughs> at this club in bangkok entertaining some clients that were also good friends of mine and uh i told him i sent him some pictures like ah wish you were here buddy and he's like, ah, oh, man, you know, uh, when we were freshmen in college, well, when I was a freshman in college, I just thought you're going to have a rude awakening. And now I realize it was <laughs> me who had the rude awakening. <laughs> you were right all along. <laughs> so, like, uh, for someone that, for especially if you're the kid that was in a similar situation as me trying to get out of uh, a thing you hate, uh, just keep in mind that you if you keep going at it eventually you're going to have an overnight success story and if people are going to say it's an overnight success story like how a lot of my friends do like oh you're yeah. so lucky all this stuff like well my night lasted for 10 years you know i right. i it was a long night and alaska is known for long nights so during winter but this was an especially a long night right uh so just like keep going uh your skill set will get better uh, and if you have the grit to go and to learn and to you know have humility to learn from as many people as you can, uh, then the opportunity is really limitless. And that's not just in digital marketing. That, I think, really applies across the board. Yeah, no doubt. Um, well, who'd imagine that a 0.9 GPA graduate <laughs> would become a coconut cowboy in, uh, in Vietnam? I found that out was I was in track and uh, my, my vice principal brought me into the office and he's like, you're getting kicked out of track. I'm like, why? He's like, 
do you know what your GPA is? Like, no, but you're probably going to tell me that he, that he did. And I was like, uh, his, his response was, you almost have to try to get it that low. I was like, no, you don't, man. I haven't tried it in years. Trust me. Like, I haven't done anything. Uh, your parents must be exceptionally proud, Greg. <laughs> they're, they're great people. Yeah. Very, yeah. very accepting people. <laughs> that, that is awesome. Hey, if people want to know more, or they want to get in touch with you. How do they do that? Yeah, so uh, obviously you can go to empireflippers.com. If you want to get in touch with me in particular, uh, there's really two options uh, available. You can always email me, uh, greg at empireflippers.com, or you can add me on Facebook. I'm super addicted to Facebook. It's just facebook.com slash Gregory the Writer. If you send me a friend request, shoot me a message, you heard me on this podcast, and apologies in advance, I do post a lot of bad poetry on Facebook that I write. So uh, you have to deal with it if you want to be my friend on Facebook. <laughs> well, now I'm intrigued. Now I'm going to go out and look for it. Uh, that's <laughs> too funny. I encourage <laughs> I encourage all my life architects on the show to, uh, to go check out empireflippers.com, read the blog, listen to the podcast. There's a lot of really killer content out here. And who knows? I mean, you may just be interested in looking at things because if you're going to spend... I'll give you some perspective. You can go drop, like I did, $110,000 on a duplex in Des Moines, Iowa, and make five, $600 a month. Or you could buy an Amazon associate site in health and fitness for $105,000, and the monthly net profit is $3,500. So, yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Dude, it's mind-boggling. It's mind-boggling. Uh, I, I, own, I own real estate, too, by the way, so I'm, I'm a big believer in real estate. But yeah, it's, it's crazy. So check it out. Uh, Greg, thanks so much for being on the show, man. I greatly appreciate you. Yeah, anytime. Uh, um, if your audience has any questions, uh, I'm always more than open. Uh, if you don't hear back from me right away, I will get back to you. Uh, I love helping people when I, when I have the opportunity and the, and the ability to help them. So Very cool. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the show. Every one of my interviewees has certain things in common, which I've summarized in the blueprint available at buildabiggerlife.com. It contains the nine core tenets extracted from each of the past interviews and will get you started building your own version of a bigger life. If you liked what you heard on the show, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. Until next time.